Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. We're also on Instagram under I Love That Movie Podcast, and uh, we have a Facebook group. Uh, it's just a safe space for movie lovers to discuss their favorite films judgment free. And my only rule in there is keep it positive. And if you're not a fan of Facebook, <laughs> we also have a Discord group, so look for us on there as well. And uh, last couple things I want to plug, we now have a Patreon, so of course the show is always free, but if you do want to support us on there, you can join us, Um, and the many you get out of it is I release an extra episode with like bonus content, just kind of a social media weekly roundup. Um, And I want to recognize our top patrons on there, and those are Chris Balga, Jeff Widman, Michael Cross, and Joseph George, so Thank you so much, guys. Um, and lastly, we also have a Teespring. So if you want some I Love That Movie swag, you can check us out on there, too. Well, that's enough plugging. Uh, <clears throat> next, I want to introduce uh, a returning guest. I have Charles on the show. Say hi, Charles. Hi, Charles. <laughs> no one's ever done that before, I'm sure. <laughs> You're the first. Oh, really? Uh, no. <laughs> but <clears throat> but we had you on our Fight Club episode, so great episode if you guys want to go back and check that out. But if they have not heard that, Charles, why don't you introduce yourself real quick? Uh, Charles Pointer, um, a local cosplayer here in the DFW area, a notorious hater of movies. <laughs> yeah, he's in the group, but you have your own group, right? What's it called? Charles Hates <laughs> Movies. Yeah, so if you need somewhere to vent, you can go there and join the conversation. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't have to be uh, friendly or positive in my group. (laughs) (laughs) But today we are talking about something positive. Uh, Oh, and I do want to say real quick, too, uh, for listeners out there, um, we did an episode on what we do in the shadows recently, and Charles has a really good Peter costume. Thank you. So you should check that out. Big fan of that movie. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was a fun episode. It's it's a great, great movie. I just started watching the show too, so I'm I'm catching up with everybody else. Um, so you picked uh, the guest always picks the movie on this podcast, and you picked a movie that you do love. Uh, what movie did you want to talk about today? The Exorcist. Yes, 1973. I am so excited that you picked this one. This is like classic horror, classic. Halloween type stuff, man. No one's picked this, which is kind of shocking. Yeah, I was surprised when we were talking about movies. Uh, I thought for sure that this one would have been covered, but I'm glad it's not because it's uh, it is one of my top two. Uh, when people when people ask me what a good scary, what a good horror movie is, this is one of the top two. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's 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 an awesome film. Um, real quick before we dive in too much further, I'll give a quick tagline. As always, guys, if this is your first time listening, it's not going to be spoiler free. So I would recommend if you plan on seeing this movie, seeing it first, but I'll still give you the intro anyway, just in case. Uh, When a teenage girl is possessed by a mysterious entity, her mother seeks the help of two priests to save her daughter. Um, When did you first see this movie? Um, I honestly can't remember. Um, it, uh, it was long after it was, I was born in 73. So it was long after it was out of theaters. Um, and I don't know that I actually ever saw it as a kid because it wasn't a, one of those movies as a child that you say, Ooh, you know, that's that, that's the rated R scary movie. I want to see it would have been something like right. Elm street or Halloween or something. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, I, so I, I saw it at home, but I honestly, I can't remember when, 
<laughs> it's just kind of always been there in yeah, your sort yeah. of horror lexicon. Right. Yeah. So for me, um, you're going to laugh. I did not see this until I was an adult specifically because I was raised in a pretty like strict religious household. And I mean, this this kind of subject matter like legitimately scared me to death. Yeah. Um, growing up, uh, like just for the listeners out there, um, it was so serious to me like that this movie might actually be evil that like i remember listening to exorcism tapes like tapes uh Mm. that people claimed were actual exorcisms and me and my friends would sit there and listen and just be terrified it was a very much a reality to us that this could happen sure well you know i think everybody goes to that stage uh, even I, because I, I I am not religious, but uh, everybody kind of goes to that uh, that Ouija board stage when you're a kid, where, right? You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, in our case, it was like there were adults that were like, "Yeah, this is real." So we oh, were real? like, "Just oh, wow. yeah, yeah." Like it, it was like a legitimate possibility. So, um, you know, this movie was like the number one. No, no, you're not allowed to watch it. I probably honestly thought like, "Oh my gosh, I'll be possessed if I watched it." And then. <laughs> As I got older, you know, that I kind of did not think that anymore. But also I think there was that kind of superstitious part of you that's like, well, I've avoided it for so long and maybe there's a good reason. And like, what if I watch this and something happens? So I put this off forever. And then when I sat down and watched it, I was like, it's it's just a good movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good yeah. horror movie. But it sort of took away all that magic of years of me like avoiding it. Um, which I'm glad I did because I do really <laughs> like the movie. Um, actually, about I think it was like a year ago, I started listening to a podcast that I want to plug really fast. I have nothing to do with it. I just enjoyed it. It was called Inside the Exorcist. Hmm. And it's like a I think it's like a seven or eight episode uh collection and basically it's like a narrator is talking about the story of this movie like starting with how the book was written what inspired it and then just kind of going through the journey of the crazy story of how the movie was made and then kind of beyond it's really fascinating stuff i mean there's just a lot of really interesting things that happened around this movie so it it was pretty uh it's a pretty cool listen Um, check that out yeah, and, and I, I actually started re-listening to it today because I was like, oh, I, I can't remember everything that was said. So I went back and listened to it and I really liked it. Um, I had a couple of quick facts I was going to throw in too. So if you have some that you want to toss in as well okay. or you have some thoughts on it. Um, the first one that I have is uh, the bedroom set had to be refrigerated to capture the authentic icy breath of the act- right. actors in the exercising scenes. And Linda Blair was you know pretty much in a nightgown so she was like freezing and she said to this day she cannot stand being cold <laughs> i didn't realize that i actually thought that was an effect when i was watching it i didn't realize that that was like actually their breath that's such a cool like background thing to do it's mm-hmm. subtle you know yeah um max von Sydow was actually only 44 years old Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, Dick Smith did such an excellent uh, job on his makeup, aging makeup to make him appear much older. So he was actually younger in that movie than I am now. So That is crazy. Yeah. I did not notice yep. that was makeup at all. Yep. At all. It was excellent. Wow. Excellent work. <clears throat> That's so cool. Um, I also have that upon its initial theatrical release, the film affected audiences so strongly that at many theaters, paramedics were called out to treat people who had fainted mm-hmm. or went into hysterics. I just think like, I don't know. I, I, I think that's so interesting. Like the mindset of people seeing this movie. And I was thinking about that this time watching it. And I think a lot of that comes from, you know, now we have so many horror movies that obviously completely owe their tropes and everything to this movie. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Well, and, and you- so, Oh, go ahead. Uh, and you have to think, I mean, there's stuff that's done in this movie in 73 that studios wouldn't even touch now. So True. Yeah, so, some I disturbing mean, stuff. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, just that extra shock value of, of you know, you, 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 you always hear about how uh, the day the Earth stood still, you know, really caused people to go crazy, you know, well, because of special effects and you look at it now and you're like, haha. But like I said, there's still stuff in this movie now that you're like, whoa, you know. Yeah, you're like, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah. 
So and just little things like um, the icy breath or. You know, certain the way that the uh, demon presence comes out, I feel like, you know, now I'm speaking a little bit from a, a place of ignorance here, but I feel like a lot of that kind of stuff, like expressing how uh, how a exorcism would look like today is from this movie, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like before that, they there were definitely horror films, but they weren't so, I, I guess the best way I can put it is grounded, Right. You know, using technology like the lights and other things that you didn't see quite as often. Right. Um, and and also, I think the extra layer of her going to like the psychologist right. and everything like that, like they, they try to find something medical. It just really hypes up like how scary that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you see it all the time. Now it's like, you know, if you watch a movie and they do a brain scan, you're kind of like, oh, whatever. But back then, I mean, this is like the first one to kind of go there. Because yeah. I think a lot of the medical stuff is almost even scarier than the right. main possession yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of I mean, and and the scare in the movie is uh, real subtle up until mm-hmm. ob- you know the obvious ending when the exorcism is taking place. But there's there's scenes intercut with uh, uh, you know some subtle like the, the clock stopping. Uh, yeah, Marin's talking to the, the guy in Iraq and, uh, uh, and little things like that, the, the, the candle suddenly bursting into flame, a lot of real subtle things like that. And the movie is build up, uh, to, to that, to that, to that final exorcism, mm-hmm. uh, exorcism, can't talk tonight, sorry, exorcism. <laughs> it's a hard word to say. I've, I've struggled yeah. with it uh, as well. <laughs> but, um, it, it's not even, even movies that I like now, like, um. Uh, horror movies like now, like that, that had that kind of uh, uh, theme, like The Conjuring. I thought it was a pretty decent one. Uh, from the get go, The Conjuring is you know scare, 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 scare. Uh, and, and true, and, right. not as much build. And the Exorcism up. is really kind of a, a slow, you know, slowly ratcheting up the tension until the the, the final showdown. I guess you want to call it that. So. Yeah, and really messing with you, I think too, with how you know the priest is like we don't do those right. anymore and um like six since the 1600s like you don't realize how out of touch with the times this is which is something i kind of forgot about the movie like re-watching it i was like oh it's like you know it's called the exorcist so you kind of have this image in your mind of like you know everyone's mm-hmm. on board and then when you watch the movie that's a cool part about it is the fact that no one is until the very right. end um yeah and i had that uh one other fact i had was that on the dvd commentary uh, William Friedkin said that uh, this film made him believe in hmm, demonic wow, possessions. Right. That's what he claims. Yeah. It was, it's like, again, like I think at the time when this came out too, like who was it? It was like somebody like Billy Graham or somebody was like this, this uh, there's actual demons in the <laughs> celluloid of this film. Like, I mean, people were really rattled sure. by this. And um, like I said, my upbringing was like, yeah, don't watch this movie. It's, it's, it's evil. So it's just interesting. Now there's been like so many exorcism movies. I feel like that that's really taken the sort of mysticism out of it, I guess you could say, um, you know, no, no, not meaning to insult anybody or anything, but just, I, I feel like that's not a general, I, you know, consensus. Now I feel like people now are like, they don't really either. They think there's some other explanation for it or, you know, whatever they, they're not necessarily as, as into well, it. And it's, uh, when we we rushed it to to, uh, to to get set up for this, and my daughter, we said, okay, she's old enough, you know, she can see it, you know, she she can see it, mm-hmm. and not you know, inappropriate things won't be bad for her to see these things, and so she watched it with us, and uh, just just that generation gap she you know we we built we built it up you know it's it's this terrifying movie and it's scary and you know and she watched it and there were a lot of times she laughed and i'm like man this is really (laughs) this is really taking me out of it you're like this is hurting our ego don't do this Uh, but uh it's because you know it's horror now is it's so in your face and and this generation that has you know that's what they that's what they expect so. Yeah, it's a lot darker and a lot more jump right. scares, and yeah, and the and the makeup and everything sure, is different sure. too. I mean, this stuff they had never seen before, right. but by now it's like you kind of expect it. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I was I was thinking about that watching it. I was like, I wonder how people react to it now. I know. I mean, I saw it as an adult and I still found it really good. But but now watching it again, I was like, I, yeah, that there's that generation right. gap of like, how do people that are in their 20s feel about right, it? Right, or teenagers, exactly. you know? Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, well, this movie, you know, was directed by William Freakin, we said earlier. Uh, and he directed The French Connection, among a lot mm-hmm. of other films. Um, it, and the screenplay was actually written by the writer that wrote the novel, Peter Blatty. I don't have a whole lot of information on him, but wanted to mention those two things. He actually um, um, directed the true sequel, which is also an excellent ah. movie, The Exorcist 3. Uh, don't I don't know if you've ever seen The Exorcist 2, but... Yeah, I have not, don't. no. Just don't. Okay, I'll just yeah, three skip is to good. 3. Three is, <laughs> 3 is a different kind of... It is still dealing with a supernatural phenomenon and presence. Um, George C. Mm-hmm. Scott takes the role of uh, the detective from the first movie who passed away before the movie could be filmed. Oh. And it is more of a psychological detective thriller uh uh but uh and it's got some excellent scenes of tension in it now that that one was actually uh the screenplay was written and directed by uh blatty who wrote based on his book legion which is the sequel to the exorcist Oh, I, I like that idea of like shifting perspectives from the priest to mm-hmm. the detectives. That's kind of neat. Yeah. I like that. Um, did you have any other quick facts you wanted to run um, through? Let me see. I know that there was a lot of, uh, and I can't remember it because I really don't put a whole lot of, you know, uh, stock in, in, in the, the, the spooky goings on, but there's apparently a lot of little spooky goings on that happened <laughs> during the movie that, you know, kind of probably built up the uh, the hype and the uh, scare for people of the movie. Um, but I can't remember what any were. Uh, I think like the set burned down. Something like that, yeah. I know Linda Blair too got pretty injured. She had like a back injury because she was, you know, hooked up to some kind of harnessy thing right. on the bed when it was flinging her around. Yeah. And she got pretty hurt. Well, that was a very um, yeah. role for her. Oh yeah. And, and, and I think like, yeah, there was just a lot of weird stuff that happened. And at one point, uh, I think the director even asked like someone to come in and bless the set and perform like an exorcism. I mean, I I don't know if he was just getting in too deep (laughs) (laughs) and maybe he's just, you know, just getting freaked out. But, um, but that happens. So yeah, there's so many movies like that too, where you're kind of like, did that really happen? Or are they building hype? Or it's like, I don't know, but you know, some of the stuff that definitely happened, like the injuries and things like that. So it wouldn't be a bad idea for a director to be like, guys, I'm actually scared. I'm going to have this just to get his actors like all tense, you know? Yeah. I had heard that, uh, Friedkin came in and, and and I've never actually gone in and and done any, uh, fact checking on this, but I heard that he kept his actors on edge a lot like Kubrick did in uh, the shining. Mm. Uh, he would go in and before a really tense scene, he would actually like fire a gun off. Real close to the oh actors. yeah, I read that too. Yeah, <laughs> slapped, slapped an actor or actress at some point, or yeah, that kind of <laughs> stuff to keep them ratcheted up. Uh, but like I said, there's really fact checking. You know, you, you have to worry. I wonder if some of those are tall tales, and you know what's real, yeah. what's not. So, especially the further away we get from the movie, it's like people can go in. And plus, like I mentioned, IMDb and stuff a lot. But you know, full disclosure, you could go in there and just type something. It's like Wikipedia. Sure. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, but these are the things we've heard, guys. That's our right. that's our disclaimer. Um, well, let's. Uh, there's so many good actors in this movie, and I do want to talk about them. But uh, let's let's dive in and and go through some of your favorite scenes, and we'll kind of touch on them as we go. Um, well, first, it's you know we talked about it being a horror movie, but it, it works on so many levels because it's. I mean, it's a movie about exorcism demonic possession but you know it's a movie about loss of faith as well because you have Marin who is uh not Marin I'm sorry uh Karis who is uh who halfway through most of the movie is is dealing with you know losing his mother and yeah. not feeling not feeling faith his faith anymore 
Uh, and, right. and again, with the, the subject matter of him losing his, his mother and uh, Reagan's mother dealing with, you know, her daughter going through these changes and, and you know, being terrified because, you know, demonic possession is probably the furthest thing from mind. She just knows something wrong with her sure. daughter. So there's that, that uh, family issue as well. Uh, and it, it's because, like you, you mentioned earlier, it's, it's the realism of these people and, and getting to really know these characters that uh, makes it a more real movie. Like you mentioned. Yeah, it, it is really character driven. I yeah. think with uh, Father Karras, um, there's even a, a, an extra wrinkle, like you mentioned, with the fact that he specialized in psychology. Right. And then his mother is, you know, she's getting she's old, but she's also sort of losing her mind. Mm -hmm. And so I think that mixed with you know his vocation plus that religious aspect i think that has him very conflicted also you know he's losing his faith and and also the fact that it's directly related to his job like that's just really ironic and it puts him at a really vulnerable point when he meets reagan and and uh, her mom um you know he's like you said he's had kind of a crisis of faith at that point and i think that's yeah that's really interesting i i also like the actress that plays the mother um uh linda blair's mother yeah uh, um, ellen burns burstein yes yes i remember her as the mom from requiem for a dream yes. Excellent. <laughs> that's that the role i knew him in yeah. yeah she's amazing i think she got an oscar nomination if not a win for that one but um, but yeah, she's really good in this too. And when you were talking earlier about, uh, the, the director, like keeping them frazzled, I imagine he kept her the most mm -hmm. frazzled. She's really good at like, she never seems like just like a helpless mom, right. but she's seems believably like, you know, thrown the whole film with the, how to deal with this. So yeah. yeah, I think you're right. I think all the attention to the characters is what really makes the film believable. Yeah, um, you were asking some of my favorite scenes, and, and this is going to sound like an, an odd choice, but for some reason, this particular scene has always stuck with me, and I, I think it, it sets the film up. It's right; it's, it's fairly near the beginning. Um, Maris is sitting at a uh, uh, like a cafe. This is still in Iraq, and mm -hmm. uh, he he has a spell where he has to take his his pill. And he gets yeah. up and he's starting to uh, to wander around town, and uh, he's almost hit by he's he's seeing some some off things. Uh, there's like mm -hmm. a kid, there's like a, a uh, somebody working at a blacksmith that looks up and he's like blind of one eye, and then he's almost hit by a horse and carriage as he's as he's exiting the city, and he walks out outside the city, and it's it's you know it's in the desert, and he's standing there, and he climbs to the top of this ruin and uh, what I assume is the statue of Pazuzu is there and the sun's yeah. setting and it, it falls behind the statue and so the statue's in shadow and the entire scene is silent there's like no I think there's like a light wind sound uh, and he he's looking over kind of the, the desert he sees some people working and there's two dogs fighting and it's like it's just completely quiet and he's just standing there looking at the statue and it's just it's Describing it doesn't sound like anything, but it's a really bleak, kind of ominous scene. Yeah, and and I always forget about this. Like I forgot about this scene until I rewatched the movie, and then I was like, "Oh, I forgot about all this setup." Yeah, um, I guess it's just building like a slow feeling of like foreboding and like something bad, like a bad omen. Like he's mm -hmm. almost just seeing all these bad things. Like this is gonna. You know, when you see the pills, for sure, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's definitely going to come into play later. But, <laughs> right. um, but the other stuff, you're like, what, what is this all leading to? And it's very, like, mysterious. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's that's a scene, like you were kind of saying earlier, you wouldn't see in a movie like this today. Like, they would right. just cut that. But I think it's important because it's a really good way of building up, like, maybe the idea that this possession later is, like, so grounded in reality that it, it started you know so long ago too mm -hmm. because they're like where a lot of this stuff like came from so i don't know it just it's kind of it's interesting to like look back on that scene and kind of think about how does that play into the the plot later right um the uh and the subtle the subtle uh 
kind of behind the scene, not behind the scenes, but kind of subtle off camera things that happen, like the clock stopping. Yeah. I, I think those are always really well done and, and kind of give you that kind of, you know, not scary, but mm, that's weird kind of feeling. Yeah. Just different. It's like, okay, something is off here, right. but I don't know what it means yet. Right. Yeah. So, um, just a lot and, and a lot of attention to detail to the whole movie. Like you mentioned with the, uh, the breath in the bedroom. Yeah. And, um, and they don't, they don't dwell on anything for too long. Like we don't see, um, Oh gosh, what was the director's name in the movie? The guy that uh, got his head turned around backwards. Oh yeah. Um, you don't even see um, his death. You just. Right. She, she pulls by and sees the, the cops and all the commotion stuff and doesn't even think about it. The mom just goes on, goes home. And then, you know, we find out, Oh, it was, um, what was that guy's name? I don't remember. Anyway, you know, and we find out that, Oh, I think it's Burke Denning. Yes. Yes. That that's it. Yeah, yes. Okay, yes. Yes. Okay. And, uh, that he's died and that the only person that could have done it was Reagan. Yeah. And I think in the book, they imply that he may have like molested her and that that was like a revenge killing, mm-hmm. but they just kind of, you don't really necessarily need that in the movie. And I think what you are saying a minute ago about how, they don't dwell on stuff for too long. It's like you can kind of maybe put two and two together. Like even in that moment, I was like, that's kind of weird that, you know, the the nanny left this adult man with this girl. Like I thought that was a little weird, but I didn't like explore that thought. I just thought, oh, that's strange. Mm-hmm. I guess they did that so that she could be the one to kill him. Right. But why? And then, you know, like you mentioned the clock thing. It's like in movies today, they would be like, oh, my gosh, all the clocks, they're at three o'clock. You know, right. it's like they don't do that. They just let you kind of see things. And then you have to kind of have the wheels turning the whole time. Right. Thinking about what what all this stuff is going to be. They Again, I sound like an old man, but it, with movies, you know, movies of my day. Um, <laughs> but it it makes you think, you know, they don't focus on things like the clock, the clock stopping is in the background and you see it, but it's not like the camera zooms in, you know, right. Oh, like today this. it would zoom in. Right. Or, yeah. Know, the hey, numbers would this. change really fast. Right. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and with them not putting everything on camera, you, you do have to think and you do have to kind of put things together. And, and that's part of another part of why this reason, part of the reason this movie works so well is because a lot of the stuff you you have to see, you know, you, you, you see it in your head, you imagine it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the noises, the constant screaming from the bedroom and the weird noises. And, you know, you, you imagine rather than seeing her growling and seeing her throwing things around the room. And so a lot of it is left to your imagination, which I think is, you know, sometimes is more effective than seeing something on screen. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a smart movie. It really is a smart movie. It is. It's like evoking emotions and and you know responses out of you rather than just being like, "Look at this." Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that uh, I mentioned too. This one and, and The Shining, which I know you covered, uh, are both uh, when when like I said, when somebody asked me my two two scariest movies, if you want to see a real a true horror masterpiece, this one and The Shining. Yeah, I think any movie that focuses on that psychological aspect yeah. um, and, and, and and movies that slowly pull you into its world, right. you know, so that you're not having to suspend so much disbelief the entire time. It's like you're kind of slowly introduced to all these concepts and they answer all your questions, too. You know, like I think in another movie, you know, maybe she wouldn't have gone and had all those medical tests done. But in this movie, I think it's cool that they do that because that's what you would be thinking. You'd be like, well, what if it's this or what if right. it's that? And sometimes in movies, like they go right to the priest and like, well, I know it's a possession. And <laughs> right. like, I think at least in real life, you would entertain that there's other possibilities. Sure. So I, I like that, that part of it. Um, yeah. And that I, I didn't think about that. The fact that you don't really see the death. I don't think you ever even see Burke's body, nope. right? It's just described. No. Nope. That is really cool because, yeah, there, that would be a very tempting jump scare to, like, show you sure. that. I mean, we'll see some heads turn later, but <laughs> not yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, just, uh, again, I mean, you can't you can't not mention some of the things they do in this movie, uh, even. Right. I mean, you're just like, Ugh. I mean, I don't know if I want to say it on the podcast, but... <laughs> 
you can allude yeah, to it uh, and it makes you uncomfortable. Know, uh, <laughs> doing things with a, with a crucifix that you shouldn't. I'll say that. Uh, I, it's every time I see that scene, I'm like, I'm just like so shocked by it. Um, or even like when Reagan uh, pees on the carpet, yeah. just stuff oh, yeah. like that. It's like there's some images and things that are just so. Um, you know, I think it's like so maybe now today someone would write like a think piece of like, why did they do that? Why did they include that? And I think the answer is pretty simple. Just the fact that it's so disturbing. Yeah. I don't think there's like an ulterior reason to it. Um, and it, it's so upsetting because Linda Blair's character and her are so incredibly young. Yeah. Um, and I think some of the some of the frightening stuff is just the fact that somebody that age wouldn't have like the capacity sure. yet to. Yeah say and do all these right. things so it's like just it's just shock value but it's shock value in a way that's it, it puts an image in your head that you're like i can't get that out for like <laughs> the rest of the movie in, in, in a right good way. and and but at the same time you see it and you're like you know oh i can't believe this is happening but i never thought you know i i don't know that this was necessary in the movie you know it, yeah, it, it wasn't no, like, no. It was I like, oh, that's 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 just that's really unnecessary and inappropriate. I was like, oh man, this is you know, she's this is crazy, you know. <laughs> well, I think it's so clear by that point that she's possessed that you don't really feel like you're watching a kid anymore, right. and it does. She doesn't have her voice or anything, so you're like, it's a display of like I've got control over this body kind right. of thing. So I think that's why. I mean, if it, under you know, if she had her regular voice and things like that, I think it would be different. Sure. But and it's also hinted at, I think, earlier in the film with the defacing of that statue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I always forget about that too, the Virgin yeah. Mary. Um, so yeah, so like there's a lot of stuff like that that's in the movie. And I think it's worse when you hear about it, like when people are like, Oh, that movie has this or that scene. But then when you actually see it, it plays into the right. film in such a way that you're like, Oh, you know, it's like you it sort of makes sense in that scene. Yeah. I saw a movie earlier this year or last year, uh, Hereditary, that had a bunch of scenes where it, it's so horrifying that I actually didn't have the reaction right after I saw a couple of the scenes where I was like, I didn't want to see that. I didn't like that. I want to get up and leave. <laughs> and then like at the end of the movie, I was like, how brilliant that they were able to make me feel that way because I never ever have a reaction like that in movies. I'm always either I roll my eyes if something is too horrible or I just don't mm -hmm. care but this time i was i was actually like disturbed mm -hmm. by it so i can't say i mean this this stuff is disturbing but because i it's so iconic that i knew it was coming i didn't have that reaction but i bet that's how people felt like watching it oh yeah time. i can't even imagine i mean i really <laughs> yeah, i can't even imagine i mean you know yeah. scary movies up to that point uh, what year did uh halloween was halloween was later wasn't it uh i believe so i just watched it the other day i think it was Let's see. Let's let's just look it up. Halloween movie. Well, I can't I can't think of anything in seventy eight. Okay, yeah. yeah. See, I can't think of it, and that doesn't so even really compare five years to the Exorcist because it's you know it was really the first slasher movie. Like, so I, I right, like almost nothing does. Yeah, I can't imagine <laughs> sitting there and 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 seeing this stuff play out on the screen, and you know, with nothing prior to that that would be as as right. horrific or or shocking. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I mean, I feel like when it came to like religion on screen, there's sort of a it's sort of a safe space of I don't know. It's like if you're going to tackle this subject matter, you're going to be like you're going to follow certain rules. Mm -hmm. And this movie doesn't do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which I, I heard the book is even more like intense, which I'm not surprised by. It's, it's a book. Yeah, it's a really good book. But to be honest with you, um, I can't remember anything in the book that wasn't in the movie. Um, it's a really, really excellent book. But but Blatty wrote the screenplay for the movie too, so I can't right. think. So it's still his yeah, voice. Yeah, I can't think of anything in the book that didn't make it to the screen. That that was significant. Oh yeah, yeah. I think. The only thing I read was like they expound a little bit more on the gore and some of the things yeah. that are said and things like that, but not like adding to the plot, right. just a little bit, maybe a little bit gory or a little bit more mm -hmm. shocking, but nothing, nothing too different. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it was, it was really an excellent translation. Like I said, I, there, 
Well, I can't say enough about the movie. <laughs> I really can't. Yeah. Well, I mean, then that's rare too when it translates that yeah. well. Like usually you're like, oh, the book's so much better, right, or right. you know. But it's like in this case, I mean, you had the author's voice right there. He's just rewriting it for a movie, um, so it, it stays pretty true to the source yeah. material. Um, so what what's another scene you wanted to talk about? Um, I um. The scene with, uh, again, another subtle scene where she, this is when the mother comes home after passing Denning's death, but not seeing it. Um, Mm -hmm. She comes in and the lights are flickering and uh, she gets a phone call and she goes up and checks on on Reagan. And this is, I think this might be the first scene where the the room is freezing because she steps in and, uh, the windows open and she just attributes the cold to the window being open. And she still hasn't put two and two together that, you know, well, she didn't even know the Dennings was in the house. So, uh, she gets the phone yeah. call and she goes up and she covers him, uh, covers Reagan up. And again, just, uh, we're knowing that things are going on at this point and she's still being the concerned mother and, you know, why is her window open? And, you know, she's, she, these could the things that she's doing could be attributed to a cold because you know she, she's in a cold room she might get pneumonia something like that uh, you know just just little character little nuances like that just through the whole movie that are just you know again character driven and show that the characters are just not your standard you know horror movie you know slasher teenager running through the woods or concerned parent who immediately contacts right. the priest type <laughs> situation so. Um, yeah, and, and I like it, it touches on the way that we'll have something unusual happen, but our brains will kind of try to make mm-hmm. sense of it. So it's like so unrealistic that her room would be that mm-hmm. cold, but she's sort of just telling herself, yeah, that's what it is. It's like, it, it's scary because it's like we've all had those moments where we come home and we're like, did I put right, that right, there? Yeah. Did I leave that door <laughs> open? You know, it's that kind yeah. of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, just, uh, you know, and, and if you ask me what my favorite scenes are going to be in this movie, nine times out of ten, they're not going to be the the, the scary scenes. It's going to be the the dialogue between the uh, the uh, Karis and the detective. I can't remember his name either. Um, but, you know, the talking and, and the detective is always very witty and dry and he always cracks jokes and... Um, and, and you can detect, you can tell that he is a, he's a good detective cause he's asking the right questions, but then he'll always come in with some kind of dry joke and some kind of idle threat. Like where he says, you know, I could have you deported to, to, to Karis and Karis is like, you know, essentially is like, whatever dude, you know, I'm calling your bluff. And, uh, um, yeah. it, it's those scenes again, the character ones where we're, we're getting to know the, the, the people in the movie, uh, Mm-hmm. That that I always uh, like best. Um, actually, that's uh, it's funny because aside from Ellen Burstyn, um, not most of these actors hadn't. They weren't. You know, they're not big name actors. Um, right, that's true. It's not like you see this list and you're like, oh, all these, all my favorite actors. Right. It's like, um, I I yeah. think that the uh. One of the priests, and I think it's the one that's playing the piano and the one at the end of the movie. I actually think he's a priest. I actually think they brought him on set. Yeah. Um, and there was a couple of instances of that where they brought in somebody who was legitimately, maybe one of the doctors, I don't remember. There were a couple of people they brought in who were legitimately in their field for the characters that they were playing. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's it was interesting to see again not having you know not saying oh that's you know that's that's paul newman and that's so and so and and all these big names and uh and not really knowing any of these these people who are playing these parts it was, it was refreshing and, and have them do so yeah. well right have them be so right. convincing probably because they know what they're talking about um yeah i uh i think for me like if i want to say one of the scenes that i one of my favorite scenes um, I, I don't know if favorite's the right word, but one of the scenes that sticks with me that I'm like, yikes, is all the grueling testing that they do on mm-hmm. Reagan. Uh, the blood splurting mm-hmm. out of that needle and her reactions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's truly horrifying. And the way that the doctors are just trying so hard to make sense of it, like they're like, oh, I can just tell by the way she's acting, like she has a brain legion. And 
um, you know, she's got this lesion on her brain and we're just going to take care of it. And they do all these tests and nothing comes up. And even the way that like, there's so much tension of like when they take those pictures of the brain and they, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. a set of pictures comes up and then another set and your eyes sort of darting around looking for an answer. And then they're like, huh, there's nothing yeah. there. Well, maybe this, maybe that. And then they're, and then they, even when they have all the evidence right in front of them, they're still like, I still think there's a right. brain lesion there. It's like, you know, and, and by this point, the mom is just like, I mean, she's like, how could all these things be happening? And it seriously be what you're saying it is, you know, and uh, it leads into the, you know, her eventually turning to the priest. Um, but I like that. I like that they explored like every sort of avenue that mm -hmm. they could and the way the doctors like even though it's so obvious, they're still trying to like find some reasonable explanation right. for everything that's happening to her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even uh, Kara saying, you know, she goes to him and she says, you know, can you, what do you think of this? And he says, well, I would, I would get her to a psychologist. You know, he's, she's asking for an exorcism. Yeah. And he's like, no, yeah. And cause he's, he's an, he's, he's very highly educated, right? right? He's like from, he went right. to Harvard and it, you get the feeling that even though he's religious, like, almost like the more school he had the the further mm -hmm. he kind of started to get away from that maybe and so he's just like well you know we'd have to go through the church and then they'd have to weigh in and you know he's just kind of like i don't want right. to deal with this um but the mother is so frazzled and she's beat up from the last scene with her daughter so um and she finally convinces mm -hmm. him to to come check her out he's like well i can come over there yeah, yeah you know but i think he's obviously not expecting sure, what he's about sure. to see so <laughs> yeah yeah just uh and and i uh i actually went back to the theater uh when they re-released the uh director's cut and saw it oh cool i didn't watch the director's cut that was going to be another one of my questions uh which one did you rewatch? i watched recently? the director's cut um there's um okay okay there's a few scenes uh, that re the only scene that I can think of that has been added, and I'm sure there's probably some minor edits. The only scene that I can think of that has been added is uh, there. Uh, the babysitter and the mom are discussing Reagan and they hear a noise mm -hmm. and they turn around and she's like spider. You know how you get like a bridge pose in yoga. She's walking down mm -hmm. the stairs on her arms and legs backwards and gets to the the foot of the stairs ah. and like, like spits up blood. Nice. Um, and it's, it's not, it's not gratuitous. I mean, it is, it's a spooky scene, but it's not, it doesn't seem like it's out of place in the rest of the movie. So, um, yeah. most of the other edits were, uh, very subtle. Uh, uh, I don't want to say subliminal, but they're like quick flashes of things that are, they're uh, added to the, to certain tense moments, uh, which mm. some work, some don't, um, and some minor CGI done to Reagan's face during the, uh, when the uh, psychiatrist is talking to her, asking her, you know, can I speak to the person who's inside Reagan? There's a subtle shift in her facial features that make her more menacing, else <laughs> to put it. So, mm -hmm. but for most part, it's, it's, there's nothing, there was nothing crazy done to the movie to, to do, uh, to change it up. Not a Star Wars prequel situation. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I went and saw it uh, back in the theaters. Um, I actually have to go back and see the non-director's cut to because every time that I've seen it recently has been the director's cut. I, I, besides from the stairs scene, I don't re remember what other changes were made. Man, I really hesitated. I was when I was renting it. I, I was like, okay, which one do I want? And I went for the <laughs> for the other one. I should have I should have done the director's one. But then I was worried I wouldn't be able to tell. So I wanted, yeah, I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on what mm. was different. So that, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, it, it doesn't really do much for the. It's just a couple of minor edits that it doesn't really do anything for or against the movie, the original. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, you can skip the second one. It's <laughs> terrible. And it was, it was so strange too, because it had, it did have a huge cast of uh, big names, mm. uh, but it's so bizarre. 
The Exorcist Three really is the true sequel to the original, and it's well. I think sometimes there's a temptation in the second one to be like, okay, now let's go bigger and like you know get more well-known people and increase the budget. And it's like this kind of movie doesn't really benefit from that because I think not knowing who everybody is helps with the believability factor. Right. Um, and, and yeah, being limited. And like you said, using your imagination versus seeing something, mm-hmm. um, is almost always scarier. They didn't involve either Friedkin or Blatty on that one. Didn't even consult mm. them. They just went, let's go. It's yeah, good. that's one of those times, you know, we've <laughs> talked about on this show that so many times they will like pretty much threaten directors with, we want to do a sequel and the director will be like, I don't want to do one. And they're like, okay, well, if you don't, we'll fix somebody else. And sometimes right. that moves the director to be like, no, 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 no. I don't want anyone else to touch this thing. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, but it happens a lot. Uh, you know, I was listening to uh, um, Chris Katz podcast. Um, you know, he talked about in Halloween 2 that happened to... Um, uh, Carpenter, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like he did not want to have anything to do with the sequel and they basically forced him to write one. So, yeah, it's like eh, sometimes sequels have that. They suffer yeah. from that curse. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Um, were there any other ones that you wanted to touch on? Um, scenes, movies? Uh, uh, I guess scenes. Yeah. Um, No, I mean, I really, like I said, most of the ones that I, that really get to me in this movie are the are the characterizations. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the exorcism scenes are are. I mean, I guess I should touch on those a little bit because that's that's what a lot of people think about. Um, <laughs> for for a movie of its time, uh, I, I think that the effects still hold up fairly well. The the head turning scene is a little a little hokey now. Uh, I know it's iconic to the movie, but the, you know, it is a little, it's a little, <laughs> a little goofy looking now, but uh, the rest of the, uh, the bed floating and the makeup job they did on Reagan as she continues to, you know, become, I guess, more and more, I'm not sure, more and more possessed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but near the end when she's like, you know, she's no longer there. Um, uh, even, uh, even the, everybody calls a pea soup. I don't know what it's supposed to be. I assume it's bile or something throwing up. Uh, all those, all those still hold up well for, for the effect that they were trying to go for, you know, shocking or, or, or scary. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think they're all still, they still hold up fairly well. And Linda uh, Blair does such a good job of like yeah. playing both versions of that character. I think that can be hard for child actors to, to do. Yeah. And it's a shame. She never really, I mean, she does such an excellent, excellent job in that movie for, for mm-hmm. a child actor. Uh, I'm surprised that her, uh, her career never, you know, that she never became a, a like a big name. A yeah. Big name. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows her from the exorcist, but, uh, and I know her from a movie that was, uh, in the eighties called, I think it was called hell house, but it was no scary movie. And it was like this little, little rinky dink haunted house movie I, <laughs> the only reason i like i like the movie that's why i remember i can't remember anything else she's been in i know there was a a spoof of the exorcist that came out oh yeah uh but i don't remember the name of it i know she was in it um but yeah she just uh and she was in the sequel the exorcist 2 i don't know it's a shame she just she she was really an excellent i mean everybody in that movie was excellent but uh i'm surprised that her her Hollywood star didn't rise more, you know? Yeah, yeah, it happens sometimes. I And yeah. I also feel like people used to get a lot more typecast than they do now. Like, I feel like for whatever reason, we're more able to, to, to be like, okay, let's give them a shot at this or a shot at that. Maybe mm-hmm. being pigeonholed into that one thing is like, you know, I don't know, a lot of horror is B-movie type stuff. Sure. I mean, this was like, this movie was like really good, but a lot of horror is not at that same level. So that probably affected her career as well, but yeah, she's amazing in this movie. So yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, were there any other facts or any other things that you wanted to, uh, to touch on? Um, no, not that I can think of. I think we covered most of the big ones, most of the kind of mystique behind the movie and, uh, you know, some of the actors being actual priests or doctors and, uh, yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, I think I think we covered most of them. 
Yeah, and like I said earlier, if you want, if you need more, you can always listen to that podcast I listen to. It's yeah. very exciting. They, I think he did a they they did one on Jaws too. It's like it's pre, it's a pretty cool series. It's from the the Wandry uh, Network. Um, okay. Mark Ramsey, I think, is the host. Um, but very very cool stuff. But yeah, I I'm really glad that you picked this movie just because it is such a classic, and it's crazy that we hadn't talked about it already. Yeah. But, um, you know, this kind of wraps up our spooky season. Hey. Uh, so, <laughs> so thank you for, uh, for coming back and for talking about this. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Anytime. Hey, so you might have noticed that the end of this interview was a little bit abrupt. Um, the truth is I lost a couple minutes of uh, Charles' audio Um we were just having, I guess, an internet glitch or something to where his uh, track didn't get fully uploaded. So I will make the plugs for him right now. You can find Charles' uh, projects at Chax Productions, C-H-A-K-S. Uh, look for him on Facebook and Instagram and I believe Twitter. Um, and you can find out more of what he does on there. Uh, these last couple episodes, honestly, have had some challenges. Uh, I forgot to mention that last week uh also had the storms happening when sarah and i were trying to record and that caused us to switch to a different method of recording than i normally use and her internet was kind of cutting in and out so if there was some bad background noise or anything like that totally not her fault it's just what we're working with and then of course this week that happens right two weeks in a row <laughs> technology is great when it works anyways guys thank you so much and hope to see you guys again soon 